time it is welcome to count it right here on points bet a fanatics experience my name is Kazim Famuide thank you so much for joining me I know you can feel it in the air I know you could smell it outside basketball season is right around the corner we got preseason basketball to talk about we got rankings to talk about the NBA season is just around the corner so let's get right into it NBA preseason action tipped off just a few days ago and one of the more intriguing matchups in this preseason NBA schedule was the matchup between two players that aren't just going to be franchise staples for their team but possibly the way the game is played overall just because of their unique skill set and ability the San Antonio Spurs and the Oklahoma City Thunder took on each other a few nights ago and even though it was preseason and even though they only played about 15-16 minutes each it was a matchup that did not disappoint. The number one overall pick in the NBA draft, Victor Wembanyama, taking on Chet Holmgren, lottery pick from last year who missed the entire uh, first year of his NBA career due to a Liz Frank fracture, held his own drop in 21 points, nine rebounds, and 16 assists. The number one overall pick of last year's draft, Victor Wembanyama, had 20 points, five rebounds in 19 minutes in the 122-121 loss against two players who body type-wise, skill-wise, I mean, <laughs> you see him flexing with the Shador Sanders. Uh, you, you can't wear a Rolex when you're playing basketball. But Victor Wembanyama getting buckets as well. I mean, it's like looking into the future of the NBA. I mean, I feel like in the year 2030, 2040, you're going to need to be at least seven foot one just to even get on the court. But you see in these two guys who stand at least seven one and seven foot three, respectively, rangy, defending. Grabbing dunks, alley oops, shooting threes. I mean, we've seen it in in uh, years past where two young talents sort of come in around the same time, and it sort of dictates the way the rest of not just that NBA season is going to go, but how future players are usually developed. And when it comes to Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren, these are two guys who are sort of cut from the same sort of prototypical mold as far as future NBA success is concerned. Now, obviously, with their body types, there's always going to be those concerns about injuries because they're both a little bit slight of build. However... When it comes to the game, man, what is there not to like about the Gonzaga uh, recruit from a few years back and Victor Wimbanyama, who comes over from France? I mean, though both of those guys are tall. They can defend. They can handle the rock. They could shoot from outside, and they're going to be counted on to lift up their franchises out of the primordial ooze of the projects that they have been sitting in for several years. Now, the Thunder much more than the Spurs, obviously, when there's no uh, Kawhi Leonard, there's no Tim Duncan, there's no Manny Ginobili. Uh, there's obviously 
going to be a little bit of a downturn when it comes to success. But Victor still has the guidance of one Greg Popovich. And when you think about a place that a guy like him could fall into, I don't think there's any other franchise that are better equipped to see Victor succeed than in the San Antonio Spurs. Now with Chet Holmgren, he's in a little bit of a different circumstance, right? The Oklahoma City Thunder have sort of been climbing the past several years. And who knows how good they would have been last year if Chet Holmgren didn't miss the entire season due to injury. Because with Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the rise, you got Josh Giddy, a do-everything six-foot-seven guard who has great vision, great defense, and uh, can, can rebound the ball and defend just as good as anybody. You got Lou Dort. You got Jalen Williams, both of them on that team. And now you throw in Chet Holmgren, a seven foot two, do everything center who could hold the paint, who could also stretch the floor out, who could handle the ball just a little bit. I mean, this is a team when you think about the Oklahoma City Thunder and holding on to all of those draft picks and all of those assets that they've acquired from several trades uh, over the years, including the Russell Westbrook trade, including uh, other trades where they just seem to be hoarding all of these draft picks, hoping to possibly take a swing on another superstar in the draft, those picks are starting to turn into bona fide players. And uh, in addition to what that means for the Oklahoma City Thunder, in addition to what Victor means to Greg Popovich's legacy and being a part of the San Antonio Spurs, what makes this thing so much interesting is that I think they don't like each other either. I think they got a little bit of a rivalry brewing as well. You know, there was a move where Victor Wembanyama drove to the paint, got a bucket, maybe headbutted Chet Holmgren a little bit, falls to the ground. Chet Holmgren gets on social media, says, yeah, you know, a headbutt is kind of an unstoppable move. Ah, ah, ah. Chet Holmgren goes back and gets his, does his Shador Sanders impression, throws up the wrist. There wasn't really a, I don't know if he was flexing, but you can't necessarily wear a watch when you're playing NBA basketball, but the sentiment was met, Chet Holmgren. I see what you were doing there, but I know it's the preseason. I know the, the games don't necessarily count yet, but you can't tell it to these two guys who were the number one overall pick and the number two overall pick in the last year's NBA uh, draft. I mean, this is where the NBA is going. I feel like in, in the year 2050, we're going to be surrounded by players that are 6'10", 7 feet, 7'1", point guards, that the only way you can get on the court is uh, if you're a 7-foot guy who can handle the ball and shoot threes, right? Like, this is the evolution of guys like Kevin Durant, guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, guys like Kevin Garnett. I mean, players who are just tall, lanky, do everything, and now you add to the fact that they can stretch the floor out and you don't necessarily have enough cushion to uh, defend them uh, when they're going into the paint. This is what the prototypical NBA big man is going to look like for the foreseeable future. They both held their own against each other, and now I got to take out my red marker and circle a few dates when they play each other because there was talking smack, the matchup was fun, and I think they both know how much they mean to the evolution of the game of basketball. Let's move around to some more preseason action. Let's talk about the L.A. Clippers. Now, for the, for the four years that the two superstars in the Los Angeles Clippers and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have played together, they have only played a combined 142 games together with a record of 96 
and 46. And despite the fact that Kawhi Leonard has had a lot of health issues, despite the fact that Paul George has missed some games here and there, the LA Clippers have still managed to stay relevant. They haven't really bottomed out that you'd see most teams do when they lose stars of that magnitude because of guys like Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Marcus Morris. I mean, even a renewed Russell Westbrook after he left the Los Angeles Lakers, he seemed to find uh, new life as a member of the LA Clippers. And that all remains to be seen how it's going to play in for a full season. Now, if you hear from anybody who's in the know, who's watched the LA Clippers and everything that they've been through, through training camp and through practices leading up to the regular season, Kawhi Leonard looks healthy. And the last time we seen Kawhi Leonard look truly healthy, he looked like one of the best players in the world. Now, is it fair to expect that Kawhi Leonard, that Kawhi Leonard that helped lead the Toronto Raptors to an NBA championship, that Kawhi Leonard that helped uh, the San Antonio Spurs win those championships with LeBron James, that Kawhi Leonard that when he arrived in Los Angeles, he told people that him and Paul George were taking over the city. Well, not necessarily him telling people, but you know, New Balance, sneaker companies, and all that type of stuff. That Kawhi Leonard shows up to the L.A. Clippers. Can they go to the finals? Maybe. Because even though Paul George has missed his few games uh, this past year, Paul George averaged 25.3 points, six rebounds, and five assists in 71 games of his Clippers career without Kawhi Leonard. When he's on the floor, he is still clearly one of the best talents in the entire NBA. But the only problem is, last year, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard only played 38 games together. It's always been about, can they stay on the floor? And for the past four years, we've seen super teams come and go. We've seen stars break up and leave. Uh, whether it be LeBron leaving Cleveland and going to L.A., whether it be Kevin Durant leaving Golden State, going to Brooklyn, and now going to Phoenix, Kyrie Irving going to Brooklyn, and then going to Dallas. These two players, who were some of the marquee names of that very famed free agency class, which landed Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the same team, feels like this has to be the season it comes together. All bubbling underneath the, the atmosphere of this entire season with the L.A. Clippers is the possibility of acquiring one James Harden, someone who averaged 20 points, 10 assists last year, and adding him to a team that you can possibly still hold on to a Russell Westbrook. And you're adding Kawhi and Paul George with James Harden in that team because for the past several years, you've had some young, exciting players that have kept the Clippers on the up and up, on level, not necessarily one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. So you could probably make a few pieces move and work. On top of that, you got a great coach in Teron Lu, who's been there before, who's gotten to the mountaintop as an NBA champion with uh, some high-profile players in his career. Now, the whole thing is, can they stay healthy? Remains to be seen, but even if they do stay healthy, 
the Western Conference is as strong as it's been in many years. Does a healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George best out a Golden State Warriors that seem to be renewed with Chris Paul, a Hall of Fame point guard joining their team? Do they have enough to knock out the team that they share a city with in the Los Angeles Lakers who absolutely retooled and want to get back to the Western Conference Finals? Do they have enough? To beat upstart teams like the Sacramento Kings, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, and by the way, the reigning NBA champion Denver Nuggets with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. I just want to see how they look for a full season. Expecting them to win a finals, to even get to the finals, is entirely too much. But given everything that this franchise has invested in these two players and the fact that neither of them have signed an extension for the next few years, you need to think that anything less than supreme playoff success is going to lead to questions on if these two players are worth the investment of going all in with the L.A. Clippers. They're opening up a new arena. They're establishing a new identity in L.A. And as great big names as Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are, they haven't been able to stay on the court. So who knows what's going to happen with the L.A. Clippers. They're going to be very exciting to watch, especially if they manage to acquire James Harden, who, you know, with all signs, seem to point to him going to that team. But... When's the last time that didn't happen when a player thought they were going to go to a team and they ended up being traded somewhere else? Wouldn't be the first, damn sure would not be the last. But I do really like the L.A. Clippers this year. I love Teron Lue. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the NBA, somebody who can definitely do what he has to do to keep this team afloat. Give him some players. Give him some superstars. He's already shown you he can get to the mountaintop. Let's see how that rolls. Speaking of the Western Conference and the preseason, we got to get a look at some healthy Zion Williamson basketball, something we haven't necessarily been able to see for the past several seasons. Now, Zion Williamson, who has, you know, very famously shared about his uh, – diet struggles and he's kind of fluctuated as far as weight is concerned ever since he arrived in the NBA out of Dallas and going to New Orleans and thank God because anybody who's ever been in New Orleans especially like me knows it is going to be a struggle trying to uh, not eat some of that great food that they got down there so I don't think anybody necessarily blames Zion for what happened I know I sure as hell didn't but Zion looked absolutely yoked, healthy, and ready to roll uh, this upcoming NBA season. They took on the Orlando Magic a few nights ago, went up against um, Paolo Bancaro, who looked pretty, uh, he also looked very, very impressive in his showing as well. Uh, Zion Williamson, you got to remember, man, when this dude is healthy, the New Orleans Pelicans were a top three team in the Western Conference when he was on the court. Now you add in Brandon Ingram, you add in C.J. McCollum, Jose Alvarado, uh, Grand Theft Alvarado, one of my favorite players in the NBA. The New Orleans Pelicans are a very well-balanced team, but they are all orbit. They all, uh, I, I'm sorry, they all uh, uh, take in the orbit that Zion Williamson gives. He's one of the more unique players in the NBA. He has a versatility of a Draymond Green being a smallish big man who still dominates but gets the opportunity to create sort of as a point center. He's still as explosive 
as anybody we've ever seen in the NBA. And as far as being able to uh, create for others, create gravity for scorers like Brandon Ingram, uh, CJ McCollum, other guys on that team, the New Orleans Pelicans could be a very good team. Now, again, like with most superstars in the NBA, it's all contingent on the man's health. And I'm not going to hold you. I watched some of that New Orleans Pelicans Orlando Magic game. There were some times where, yes, Zion, when going straight up and under the rim, still looks as explosive as ever. But that East to West game, I mean, he was getting some bunnies over there. And I know Paolo Bancaro isn't necessarily an all-star defender, but he was missing some easy ones in there. He could have uh, looked a little bit better. But I know people could, you know, t tie that into rust and not being able to play in full NBA games for a long time. I'm willing to give Zion Williamson some grace and seeing how long he can hold up for an entire season because we haven't seen it yet. I mean, it's been one of the biggest concerns coming out of Duke and even coming out of high school in South Carolina every single season ever since Zion Williamson exploded onto the national scene. There's been some sort of injury issue. Now, even in high school, he missed some of senior year because of injuries. When he got to Duke, he very famously blew out a sneaker because, I, I mean, I don't know how you make sneakers for guys built 280, 6'6", that jump out the gym. So the sneaker just kind of exploded on himself. Missed a lot of the college season for that. Missed some of his rookie season, but when he debuted for the New Orleans Pelicans, was absolutely dominant, and that has been the story of his NBA career. When he's on the court, he's a unique, one-of-a-kind player who can absolutely do so many things to contribute to winning basketball. I mean, I don't really know who to compare him to. I mean, you'd think a little bit of Charles Barkley, a little bit of Draymond Green, a little bit of Shaquille O'Neal uh, just mixed into a 6-6, sort of maybe Grandmama Larry Johnson. I mean, it's just – it's unique. That's all you can call it. It's unique. But you don't necessarily get to take full advantage of it, especially uh, as the New Orleans Pelicans are concerned, if you're not on the court. Now, other teams out there are probably going to want to inquire on Zion Williamson. And maybe there's been talks and some whispers about it's not so much Zion Williamson isn't healthy. Maybe he's not in the right environment. Maybe he's not playing for a franchise that, uh, you know, would bring out the best of him. But if you listen to Zion and hear anything he said in the past, there's no other place that he wants to play in than the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, I wouldn't want to play anywhere else, too. The guy gave him a rookie max extension, even though he did miss a ton of games this season. And this has to be the season that we see the best of Zion Williamson. But this is really hard. It's, it's a difficult thing when it comes to the NBA. When you're coming off an injury, when the league is getting better, when you're seeing the evolution of big man uh, coming in every year, when you got guys like, you know, Victor Wembanyama, Chet Holmgren, who are seven foot two dudes that you're probably going to have to guard on the outside perimeter, even though they're skinnier and slighter of weight, not necessarily the same sort of matchup problems that you give. It's going to be really interesting to see how teams guard Zion and how the New Orleans Pelicans use Zion. Because as a point center, he's somebody who can create for others because he grabs so much defensive attention. Uh, but who knows? Maybe the way the game is evolving, and it's crazy to say evolve because I don't think we've even seen uh, Zion Williamson. It's almost impossible to even call him a veteran at this point. But the game changes fast. I mean, this is going to be the guy that you got to count on to go out there and guard Nikola Jokic. Go out there and guard Giannis Antetokounmpo, 
Joel Embiid, uh, Anthony Davis, Damantis Sabonis, Julius Randle. I mean, all these guys coming off an injury, coming off a diet history, coming off of embarrassing off-the-court stuff. I mean, it's a lot of eyes on Zion Williamson. And if he's geared up for a big comeback, he's going to need to stay on the court for at least 70% of this 82-game regular season. Going to be interesting to watch. I hope he does it. I'm a fan of his. I hope he gets it together for this upcoming NBA season. Let's wrap this up real quick. ESPN, you know what they do every year. They drop their top 100 NBA players throughout the upcoming NBA season. And uh, it's always a great conversation just seeing where certain players land. And if you're looking at this show, it's because you probably didn't agree with that list. So for everybody who watched this show, I'm here to give you my Top 10 NBA players going into the 2023-2024 NBA season. Now, I'd like to preface this list by saying that the players I am picking on this list are players that I project to be top 10 players. Now, I'm hoping it's going to uh, do with with health. Um, I'm assuming that they're not going to be catastrophic injuries because who wants to wish that? on top NBA players. I'm going to give it, uh, assuming on what I think they're going to do this year. Also, I'm going to go with skill and everything else and accomplishments that I think they can acquire this upcoming season. My top 10 NBA players for the 2023-2024 NBA season is as follows. Number 10, I'm going with Lakers center Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is probably not the most famous player of the Los Angeles Lakers, but he can make the argument that he's definitely the most important. The Los Angeles Lakers have now been more than ever built around Anthony Davis, his ability to anchor the defense and initiate offense from the ground, uh, from the post, uh, getting guys like LeBron James a little bit more help offensively with the rise of Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, um, you know, uh, D'Angelo Russell, who uh, sleeping under the radar for this entire season. I mean, he was really, really good for the Lakers most of last year. But Anthony Davis, when healthy, is probably a top three big man in the NBA. When healthy, he has a choice. I mean, he says he wants to play all 82 games this year. I'm going to hope that he does it. And if he does... I think he might climb a little higher on his top 10 list. Number nine, I'm going with Phoenix Suns superstar shooting guard Devin Booker. Uh, the Denver Nuggets ran through the Western Conference, uh, and if it wasn't for some ultra-incredible performances from guys like Devin Booker, uh, they might have, I mean, maybe lost one or two games this entire playoffs. Devin Booker had some of the most incredible scoring performances in playoff history this past season. And even though Devin Booker did miss a lot of time uh, during last year, and so did Kevin Durant, when he was on the court, he was undoubtedly one of the most elite scorers and all-around players in the NBA. And I think one thing that is going to um, advance Devin Booker's uh, trajectory in the NBA this season is 
is I think Devin Booker is going to play a lot of point guard. I think he's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands as much as possible or with the addition of Bradley Beal, losing Chris Paul, having Kevin Durant as your small forward, power forward. I think Devin Booker is going to play a whole lot of point guard, which means he's going to have the ball in his hands a whole lot. I think he's going to average more assists than he's ever had. I still think he's going to be able to give you 25-plus points per game, and I think the Phoenix Suns are going to be one of the top teams in the entire NBA. So give me Devin Booker at number nine. Number eight, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, LeBron James. In his 21st year in the NBA, still a top 10 player in the league. The Los Angeles Lakers were arguably the hottest team in the NBA after the trade deadline. Uh, Anthony Davis's health um, kind of contributed to that as well, but the rise of other players like Austin Reeves, Rory Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, and many others on that team is only possible because of LeBron James. I mean, how many people, if we if if LeBron James ran a foundation for how many NBA players he helped get paid over the past 21 years of his career, I mean, he'd probably touching Mark Zuckerberg money by now because LeBron James in his 21-year NBA career is still one of the most dominant scorers, one of the most elite passers, still can rebound with the best, still a triple-double threat, still a clutch player, still one of the strongest, still one of the fastest, and it doesn't seem like he's slowing down. I mean, injury history aside, the groin issues aside, when he's on the court, it's hard to not look on certain nights and not say that guy is the best player in the world. He's definitely the most popular, but at year 21, how much more can you ask of this guy? That's why I'm asking you, Anthony Davis. Stay healthy. At number seven, I'm going with the Boston Celtics' Jason Tatum. Yes, Jason Tatum was very much in the mix for the MVP conversation all last year, and I think this year he might get himself even closer. I mean, 6-10, breaking records in the playoffs as far as points scored in Game 7s, uh, carrying the Boston Celtics to at least the conference finals year in and year out, been knocking on the door of the finals for a long time with Jalen Brown. He's got that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow of this season looking to cash in a sweet 300 plus million dollars super max extension and he will probably deserve every single penny of it because he's one of the more talented players in the entire league Jason Tatum I mean that Boston Celtics team is geared to win an NBA championship this year. They should win an NBA championship this year. Chris Porzingis has fit in like a glove for them. Drew Holiday, a master conductor and a championship-level point guard. The Celtics got no excuse not to be in the NBA Finals this year. And Jason Tatum, if he plays like he's capable of playing, I think he is going to be in the mix as one of the best players in the NBA. Number six, I got to still give it to Kevin Durant, right? Like, yes, KD has missed some time during injury, but uh, when he is on the court, he's still one of the most efficient players in NBA history. He's just coming off one of the most efficient mid-range seasons in NBA history, still averaging 28-plus points per game, still a 50-40-90 guy, still in the championship window as a member of the Phoenix Suns going up against, uh, you know, joining Bradley Beal and adding all that depth to that team. KD is still very much in that championship window and I believe is going to be 
one of the teams that hope to represent the Western Conference in these NBA Finals. KD is still a bad boy, y'all. He's just as bad as he is on social media, on X, on Twitter, on on whatever, uh, A&R and rap albums. I think he's all right in that too. I mean, I think a lot of people overreacted to the to the to the, uh, to the Drake uh, reviews, but that's for a different show. But as far as being on the court, KD is still one of them ones. I got him as number six in the NBA top ten. Number five. I'm going with Dallas Mavericks superstar Luka Doncic. Now, it feels like every single year we are trying to give Luka Doncic this MVP award because I feel like statistically there is nobody that does more than him. I mean, he feels like he's prime James Harden reincarnated, but as far as being a triple-double threat, being able to get as many assists, as many rebounds, he looks like he's in better shape than he's ever been. Watched him in the FIBA World Cup this past year. Lost a good ton of weight. He's been moving good. I feel like if he can keep it off. I feel like if the Mavericks bounce back, he's going to have Kyrie Irving in that backcourt with him. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks got some sneaky good pick pieces and pickups, including Grant Williams, who, uh, you know, despite the viral moments that he had in the playoffs, is still an extremely solid contributor for a team that already has two bona fide superstars. You talk about bringing somebody in who's going to know their role and play it to perfection. Grant Williams is it, and I think that's going to enhance Luka Doncic's season, and as an overall talent, there isn't anybody that's more complete offensively. There's nothing he can't do. He can give you 40. He can give you 10 assists. He can give you 10 rebounds. He can put an entire team on his back and beat you by himself. Luka at number five. Number four, I'm going with the reigning NBA MVP, Joel Embiid. Now, as a reigning NBA MVP, I know it might be uh, hard to see him this low on the list, but it's not to shake a stick at what he's done as a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the playoff uh, success and shortcomings aside, Joel Embiid has turned into one of the more dominant scoring centers in NBA history, joining guys like Shaquille O'Neal, people who have led the league in scoring at center. But he does it in different ways than Shaq. Yes, he can dominate in the paint. Yes, he can dunk all over you, but he's got a soft touch at the free throw line. He can hit it from deep. He is a massive human being. He can get to the line whenever he feels like it. He is an absolute elite scorer. I don't think anybody can really see him as far as triple threats are concerned. And uh, he loves playing to the crowd. He put that Philadelphia 76ers team on his back this season. Uh, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, great contributors to that MVP season. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where his season kind of goes this year because the Philadelphia 76ers look like they might be a team in flux, not necessarily know what's going to happen with James Harden, what kind of return that is going to heap. Uh, if James Harden is going to stay a member of the Philadelphia 76ers and they just figure it out from there, no matter what happens, the center of it all is Joel Embiid and what he plans to do to follow up an MVP season in which he's seen some of his top rivals, the people that he compares himself to, win NBA championships in the past two years, well, three years. I think he's going to be on more. He's going to be on such a revenge tour and such a motivated uh, player that we'll see all year. Because I feel like the narrative of him might change a little differently if he doesn't get himself one of those Larry Ob's. Uh, and join Giannis and Embiid, I mean Giannis and uh, Jokic as uh, NBA champions very, very soon. Going to surprise some people here. Number three, 
Golden State Warriors point guard Stephen Curry. Yes, I know he's getting a little bit longer in the tooth. Yes, I know he is not uh, the unanimous MVP Stephen Curry. But as far as value, as far as keeping a championship window open as long as it has, nobody, I don't think anybody, has kept one championship window open for one franchise in the past two decades, as long as Stephen Curry has. And surprise, surprise, in the 2023-2024 season, the Golden State Warriors championship window is still very much open. You could talk to me about your Klay Thompson injuries. You could talk to me about your Draymond Green and where he fits as far as what he makes and, and his point differential and all that type of stuff. You could talk to me about how Chris Paul fits into all this, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga's development. All that is good and well. This thing goes and this thing works because of Stephen Curry. Now, I think last year was an aberration. I think that road uh, season, that road uh, uh, record that they had defending the NBA championships was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, and I don't think we'll see that again. But I think we'll see something closer to the, to the defending champions that we saw two seasons ago with Stephen Curry leading the charge as long as he can stay on the court for as long as possible. Because once you get in the playoffs, everybody knows the Golden State Warriors are like the Undertaker, man. You think they're dead, and they just keep coming back. And if you don't kill them dead, they'll always be a threat, and it is because of one Stephen Curry. Number two, I'm going with the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. The former NBA MVP, the 2022 NBA champion, uh, he's getting his best running mate in his NBA career in Damian Lillard, which means I think Giannis Antetokounmpo, for as great, <laughs> for the incredible numbers he's already put up in his career, the Shaq-like gargantuan numbers he's put up in his career, I think he's going to be even better. I think he's going to be able to work with more space. I think he's going to be able to go downhill more than ever. So he's going to average more than 30. He's going to average more than 12 rebounds. He's going to get so many assists because Dame Lillard is going to be wide open, knocking down bombs from all over Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Giannis Antetokounmpo, number two on my, number, on my top ten list. And number one, I got to go with the reigning finals MVP from Serbia. Nikola Jokic, the Joker. I mean, if you saw what the Denver Nuggets did to the Western Conference, if you saw what he did to the Miami Heat, just absolute precise, just devastation on every single level of the court. Best passer, best rebounder, scoring. Oh, you don't think he's got that much of a post-up game? He's got that too. He's hitting shots from deep outside. He is completely unstoppable, and even more annoyingly so, he looks bored doing it sometimes. Nikola Jokic, the most dominant player in the NBA, the number one player in the NBA, the defending NBA champion going into the 2023-2024 NBA season. I think Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world until proven otherwise. And the beautiful thing about the NBA season, we got 82 games plus. 
to have somebody prove him otherwise. That's it for today's episode of Count It. Thank you so much for kicking it with me right here on Points Bet, a fanatics experience. My name is Kazim Famiwide. The NBA season is right around the corner. You're going to start seeing this mug a whole lot more as the regular season kicks off. Enjoy the rest of your week, people. i catch y'all next time. Peace out.